Welcome back to another episode. I am so excited about this interview. This interview is with my friend Dan Paulson. Dan is an acclaimed international speaker, author, facilitator, and coach who has helped countless business owners grow their business, scale their revenue, and get out of the trenches of doing all of the things by themselves. Dan is uniquely skilled at helping entrepreneurs get out of their own way and make more money while doing so. Dan has a passion for helping leaders find ways to grow business while improving the experience for their employees and their customers. He combines over 25 years of corporate experience with the evolving wisdom of current business trends to facilitate the most successful, adaptable, and innovative work environments possible. I cannot wait for you to hear this interview with Dan Paulson because you are going to learn so much and it's going to help you take your business to the next level. So for this episode, I want you to grab a pen and a piece of paper and get ready to take some notes. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Would you like to take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience in your own words? Sure. My name is Dan Paulson. I own a company called Envision Development International. And really what I do is I help busy owners of companies and senior executives get out of their own way. Um, the challenge that I find many business owners and executives have is they're, while they're really good, um, type A personalities, really good about growing things and, and really good about building profitable businesses, a lot of times, though, they still find themselves stuck in the things that got them there. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the book E-Myth, but that, that's yes. a good example of a lot of where my clients are at. They're the technicians that started the company, and now here they are 10 to 15 years later, and they still seem to be doing the same things they were doing when they started the company, even though they might have 10, 50, 100 employees around them. Uh, so my job is to help get, create awareness about what they want to uh, create for themselves and then make the changes happen so that they can do the things they want to do. There is such a need for that, and I'm I'm sure that you're you're aware of this. I'm just thinking of all these business owners I know, and yeah, you know, I've been there too. Um, so, out of all of these these things that you can talk about and share about with the audience, what would you like to talk about today? Oh gosh, um, yeah, I guess when we were talking before, there were a number of things that we can touch on. To, but since we aren't going to have a three day long podcast, <laughs> why don't we just talk about you know how to how to design your life. And I, I think this ties into well with a number of the things you're doing as well. So we can banter back and forth on this. But the biggest challenge I see is people, entrepreneurs start a business to create success, to create money, you know, build wealth, uh, get the things that they've always wanted to have or live the life they've always wanted to have. And, and then they reach a point where they realize that they've worked for all this stuff and they're still working. They're, they're not really enjoying the fruits of their labor. So I think it might be good for us to kind of talk about what steps can we take to maybe change that role in, in what we do. I would love that. That, that has been basically the whole focus of my year so far <laughs> and because, you know, I, I love working. It makes me really happy, but there's more to life than just working. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't get into entrepreneurship to not see my family. That's you know, right. The goal was to be able to, you know, take a month off and go on a vacation or to be able to, you know, let's say my husband gets sick or something. 
I can then step away from my business and pick up the slack and help him recover. But when you're working all the time, you can't do that. So definitely, definitely important. Um, So what are the biggest struggles that you've seen when someone gets into that, that technician mode? What, Mm -hmm. what are they, what are they encountering that is keeping them in that mode instead of actually stepping back and enjoying the fruits of their labor? Well, I think the biggest issue is fear. Um, you know, it, this is something you built. As I tell a lot of business owners, you might have a wife and you might have kids and then you have this other child that is your company. And you recognize that the company provides the income, the resources so that you can, you know, create the lifestyle over on this this other, you know, side of yourself. And the thing I see and I hear from my clients is this, if I'm not doing it, then the other person who is, is not doing it as well as I could. And that scares me because then what if revenue drops? What if profitability drops? What if we're no longer growing? And what if I'm no longer to live this lifestyle? And that's where I see a lot of business owners struggling is they don't know or they don't understand how to coach and train their people to deliver as good or better than what they are capable of doing. So they tend to hang on to things and not let go. So that's, that's part number two is the failure to let go of all these things that you have in, in your business that you oversee and not allowing or engaging others to take ownership of that. So then we spend a lot of time once we create awareness around that fear and how to address that fear. The next part is to then create awareness around how do we effectively coach somebody to be successful? Because in the end, a lot of these business owners and most entrepreneurs I know are somewhat of a type A personality. They're kind of go get it, make stuff happen. And what ends up occurring is, you know, they'll tell somebody to do something. And then of course, without any direction, that person goes and does what they think they're supposed to do with very limited information. And of course they don't do it the way the owner expects it to be done. So then the owner jumps in and immediately takes it over. Well, that devalues the person you just gave the assignment to. And it also just reinforces your nature that nobody can do it better than I can. And that's where the struggle really comes in. So it, initially is addressing those two issues, the fear and and the, the control side of things. You know, I'm thinking back to my days managing coffee shops as you're speaking. (laughs) And it's like, man, I have definitely done all of those things. (laughs) You know, it's it's one thing to have people that that you trust and like, you know, you're going to be able to do a really good job, but I am totally that type A personality. And I'm, there's so many employees gosh, it's embarrassing actually, where I was like, you know what, just, I'm just going to do it. It's just better if I do it. So um, the coaching thing, really not my forte in an employee sort of setting because there's, you know, when, when the business that I'm running depends on somebody else doing a really good job, I tend to get impatient and Mm -hmm. I then tend to get frustrated if, someone's not picking up on something as well as I think that they should. So how can someone like me overcome those issues and actually put in the work and actually make sure that somebody is getting trained properly and coached properly so that I can step away? 
That's a very good question. And that's, I think, where where most of us fail because I, I've been the same way in my past too. I was just fortunate enough along the way to figure out, you know, if I was real, if I became really good at teaching other people to do things, I actually found that they did it either as well or better than I could have. I just had to remind myself that it takes time. So one analogy I'll use is that when you invest in human capital, in people, it takes time. And it's like a bank account. The more you put in over time, the more benefits, the more interest you earn, and, and the more rewards you reap. Most of us, though, want to, you know, put in our chips. It's almost like a, sitting at the gambling table, and we want to throw down $10 and turn that into a million in the next five minutes. And then we wonder why this person doesn't deliver on the things we need them to. So we need to, to instead focus on, instead of hitting, now I'll use another analogy, the baseball analogy, instead of hitting a home run all the time, let's focus on getting a hit. So let's start with smaller projects that are more manageable that have a lower impact on the outcome. So it's not going to bankrupt your business if this person makes a mistake. And even if they do make a mistake, it's going to be quick to recover from and allow them to then grow in those positions. And where we need to step in as leaders is we need to follow up and hold accountable. So the other things type A personalities tend to struggle with is I told you what to do. I expect you to know it and just take action on it and not need me anymore. And whether I come back tomorrow or next month, it should be done perfectly exactly the way I want. And that's not how we work as human beings. We need that follow-up, that accountability, that follow-through and we need to make sure that's happening. If it's not, then we're going to run into problems all along the way. And that's usually, again, where we uh, now take back over control of, of everything that we were trying to give up in the first place. So it's really looking at when you're looking at handling or handing off responsibilities, what are the responsibilities you're handling, handing off? How can you manage those responsibilities in a way that you know the person's going to succeed. In other words, there's small enough leaps that they should be able to accomplish that. And even if they do make mistakes, those mistakes are not going to be real costly. If anything, they're going to be a learning opportunity where you can come back in and say, well, that didn't work the way you wanted to. Now, what would you do differently? And instead of taking it over now, say, okay, now the next time you do this, tell me what you're going to do so that this particular thing doesn't occur again, so that we get the outcome we want instead. It sounds like a lot of the struggle is managing your own expectations. Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's always been a little bit of a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all have high expectations. I mean, the only reason as a business owner, I, I really think the only reason as entrepreneurs, we do what we do is because we believe we can do it better than somebody else. So, you know, right there, that's already setting us up, right? Mm -hmm. So, we need to look at not just that we can do it better than somebody else, but that we can create an enterprise that will deliver on what we would promise our, on our own, but do so with a team of people. And that really is the hardest thing to let go of because it is that drive that we have as entrepreneurs. We're really willing to take more risks for greater payoffs than a vast majority of people in this world are. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are certain people geared to be entrepreneurs and there are certain people that aren't. And the earlier you recognize, you know, what your risk tolerance is and, and you know, how, how that risk tolerance drive you forward, that will lead to, to helping, you know, 
guide you which direction you should go. Um, but there are people that don't want to take those risks, that don't want to put themselves out on the line like that. And they, they're not bad people. In fact, they make excellent team members. They make excellent coworkers. They're just, their drive is different than yours. And we've got to remember the people we bring in are, are coming from a different point in their life. They're looking through a different filter, if you will. And our job is to guide them to be the most successful they can be in what they're doing on any given day or time. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it sounds so easy when you're saying it, but I know from experience, oh, it's, not. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> it's not. Um, mainly because, again, what we think is, a, is an incremental step is usually a monumental step to somebody else, especially if they've never done it before. So that's why we really have to look at, at managing our expectations and really gauging how successful somebody can be. And there are people out there that catch on really quick. There are people that take a little bit longer. There are people that may never catch on. And you have to figure out which of those people, sorry about that, which of those people uh, you have and then determine, you know, where they fit in the organization or if they fit in the organization at all. So the other thing we look at then is, you know, really the people side of the equation. Do you have the right people? Are you hiring people mm -hmm. that just fill seats on the bus or are they people that are filling the right seats on the bus and doing the right things at the right time for the right reasons to get the right results? And that's way different, way, way different than what a lot of people really do because we only hire when we need people, when we really should be in a hiring mode all the time because the good people don't show up on our doorstep typically when we need them. They come in at oddball times when, you know, we're not looking to hire somebody and instead of figuring out how we fit them in our organization or in some cases, maybe even as I hate to say it, I, who to replace if you have somebody who's underperforming so that you can be more successful doing what you're doing. Because as a business owner, your primary function is to keep the business growing, keep the business going. And the only way that happens is when you spend time, you know, getting up out of the weeds and looking, looking down the road, if you will, to figure out what's, what's the next step, what's the next phase for what you're doing. And you can't do that if you are, you know, up to your knees and stuff and, and getting your hands dirty all the time and not really concentrating on the bigger picture. If you're working on the minutia, that's, that's really where you're falling short. And that's where you need great people to help you out. Aside from great people, what are some other things that someone could be doing to help them get out of the weeds and really, you know, work on their business instead of just working in their business? Um, clarity. Uh, clarity in the business, often called the vision. You know, where are you taking this company? What's, why do you exist, if you will? Um, clarity in yourself. What, what is it you are trying to create for yourself personally we all have a dream of, of what we want when we start this business. And sometimes that dream is just founded on, you know, what we believe society deems success to be, not what our own success is. And I get my clients to really start reflecting on what is it they want to create beyond, you know, having the nice house or the nice car or the travel. I mean, those are all nice things, but does that really define you, define success, and define what you want to become. When you really get somebody talking about what it is they're trying to create, it gets 
and get them deep into it, it's much more than just creating more wealth. That's part of it, yes, because wealth provides you opportunity to do other things. But there are a number of people out there that are very philanthropic. They want to do things that give back to their communities, give back to certain causes. And what they find is if they're always working in their business, they can't do that. And, you know, sometimes it's more than just about sharing the wealth. It, they actually want to participate and, and help make change happen. Well, again, if you're busy working on your own stuff, it's hard to work on, on other things. Um, so it really does come down to a lot of that clarity in what you want to create for your company and what you want to create for yourself. And then from the company side, getting everyone to understand what that message is. Uh, can't think of the statistics anymore. I used to know this off the top of my head, but a vast majority of people that work for you have no clue what your business is about. They understand what it does. They understand the services or products it provides, but they don't understand the true why. And, and really we're emotional beings. We tie into, you know, how this company helps somebody or makes the world a better place, whatever it might be, that's really what people buy into. And that's how you align people to, to help you do the right things, which then leads to the value side of things. So there's the vision that drives the, the company forward. There's the values that guide how people deliver on the, on the promise they make to their customers. And that's the next thing we work on. So then it's being real clear on, you know, here's what we will do and here's what we won't do. And as you do that, that helps you make decisions when you are challenged to come up with the solution, maybe for something that there isn't somebody there to give you an answer to. You know, we can't, as business owners, we can't always be the crutch that the employee comes back to us to, you know, fall back on to answer their questions. Because when that happens, then that's why we haven't removed ourselves from doing the day-to-day -day stuff, because we have to be the smartest person in the room. And we need to pass that knowledge on to the people that are, are doing the job. And the only way that happens is we got to give them enough guidelines that when they do run across a challenge or a hurdle, they're able to work around it in the way that we would work around it or very similar to. And then they're given some guidelines to, you know, manage that risk, if you will, and guide themselves through um, if there is going to be a cost associated to it, how much autonomy do they have to make on a decision if, you know, they're dealing with the customer and let's say the customer is unhappy. Well, does the employee have the right to offer a refund, um, to offer more products or services to make up the difference without having to come back to me, the business owner, and ask me for it? And that's another part that, you know, a lot of business owners really have a, a struggle letting go of is they're afraid that somebody's going to give away the farm if, you know, if a customer comes back and is, in, is upset. And in most cases, they don't. Again, it takes a lot of coaching to get the employee to that, that spot. But really, if you do the right things, it's going to make your life much, much easier. There are so many great nuggets that you shared right there. And I regret that we don't have enough time to go into every one of them. <laughs> um, the one that really stood out to me, though, is setting the vision. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Zingerman's in Ann Arbor. Yes. Yep. Uh, their uh, co-founder, Ari, 
has this amazing uh, philosophy that they run the business off of, which is all about setting a very long-term vision for the business and Mm -hmm. then breaking it down into smaller chunks so that it is something that is attainable. So last year when I was listening to him present, he was speaking that one of the things in their 2020, the year 2020 vision Mm -hmm. is to be able to have a property that employees can use for vacations. So they can take time off, they can take their family to this property. And it was part of the vision, but not something that they had done yet. And he was saying, you know, I know that this is part of the vision. So I have to actually take the steps to make this happen if it's going to happen on the right timeline. So for anybody who is listening to this recording, there are some great articles and resources that Ari has written about visioning that really cover a lot of the same things that Dan is talking about. I'm going to link up to those in the show notes. So you can just click that in your podcast player and go on over to that. Um, Something that I've really struggled with over the years is my vision. I mean, I know why I do what I do. I know what I want to achieve for myself, but I have a really hard time getting that out to other people. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like an act of vulnerability. When I put that out there, what if somebody doesn't like it? (laughs) then are they just rejecting my business or are they then rejecting me? It's this whole thing. So when it comes down to creating a vision and then making sure that your staff and everybody is aware of it and on the same page, how do you deal with the, the emotional vulnerability of it? Do you just go all in or are there some sort of um, fear mindset techniques that you found that are useful? That's a that's a great question, and it, it is probably one of the more difficult things to address because it goes back to that fear. We're all afraid to let something go. You know, what you had just brought up, I'm afraid to put myself out there because what if somebody doesn't like it, and then are they not going to do business with me? And what I will challenge you is I will challenge you be a bit of a disruptor. Put out there what you want and how you want it and then stick to it. And yes, you will turn people away. And really that's okay because guess what? If you bring on a a client and they're not aligned with who you are anyway, they're not going to be a client for long. And even worse, not only are they not going to be a client for long, they're not going to be happy with your services and then they're now not going to be a cheerleader celebrating you and telling you to all their friends, which then creates more clients and creates more revenue. So it really is good to get crystal clear on who you are as a company, who you want to be, and really stick to it. And don't be afraid that you'll turn some people off because in reality, we all have our tribes out there. We all have people that will align with us because, you know, that's the beauty of having, what, 8 billion people on this planet Mm -hmm. is there's enough people out there, you know, a lot of, of, instead of law of scarcity, law of abundance, there's enough people out there that will buy into what you're doing and will be attracted to you based on the message you give. So if your message is too vanilla, that's really where you run in the risk of commoditization. And that's where a lot of businesses struggle, right? Because they're constantly competing on price. Well, the only reason you compete on price is because you aren't different enough from the other people you're competing with. So if I have brand X and I have brand Y and all the features and benefits are very, very similar, then the only option really for me to figure out is which one's going to be less expensive if I'm not emotionally tied to either one. And if you're competing on price, you will always lose because there's always going to be somebody who will come in and will do it a little bit better and a little bit cheaper if that's the way you look at things. So it really is about 
crafting that message in your light and then broadcasting that message out and attracting the people that are going to gravitate towards that message the best. Mm, I think that's important. And uh, again, it's something that you're saying that sounds so easy, but it's in reality a hard thing to do. I, I think in general, I think entrepreneurs want to be disruptive, but mm-hmm. there's most of us, I think, are a little bit apprehensive of that. Well, it's back to that fear thing. I mean, fear is is a very driving force in our mind. And, and the problem is fear is a leftover thing from way back in our caveman days for the most part. I mean, fight or flight for most of us really isn't that big of an issue, at least not in this country. Now, it might be depending upon where else you live, but for the most part, you know, we live in a pretty safe country. We live in a pretty safe environment. And the things that scare us the most are the things that rarely ever happen. So fear, the acronym, you know, is false, false emotions appearing real. We really have to look at our fear and say, what's the probability of that actually happening? And I've been in situations in my business career and uh, in my company's career where things have taken a really sour turn. And here I am, you know, 20, 30 years later with everything I've learned, I'm still going strong. So most of the things that we fear will happen really don't. And, and we have to constantly test that. And the only way you can test that is by, you know, sticking your toe in the water. And if, even if the water's a little cool, hey, jump in. What's the worst that could happen? If you know how to swim, you'll figure it out. And that's what makes a great entrepreneur is because they've got to be willing at some point to take that leap, but take that leap in a calculated way. So you're not going to jump in the deep end of the pool if you don't know how to swim. You're probably going to hang out in the shallow end until you figure out at least how to float. <laughs> and then you might, you know, stretch your, stretch your capacity to, to go into a little bit deeper water and eventually get to where you can't touch and know it's going to be all right. And, and that's how you go. Uh, um, we've got to look at fear in the face, if you will. And we've got to be able to address that, that thing that scares us most and we need to stand up to it. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate to live in a, in a country where we can do that. And in most cases, yes, people will challenge us and yes, people will, will try to do everything to put us, you know, back in our box, but really as long as we're tenacious enough, we can stick with it and we will achieve success. Again, sounds so easy. Um, I think your analogy, though, about jumping right into the deep end, I think that's a really good one. Um, for I know I personally, um, I, I would rather start smaller and easier and then push my boundaries just a little bit each time. So mm-hmm. There's a Japanese philosophy called uh, Kaizen, which I tend to use a lot in my life. It's the idea of instead of making a huge shift all at once, you make small incremental improvements. And then guess what? A hundred days later, you've more than doubled your progress. And it's really fascinating um, to look at it that way instead of just, well, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with this. I'm just going to all of a sudden put myself out there. I'm going to do the thing that scares me the most. And then I think a lot of us, when it doesn't go well, we go we go backwards. We let that fear pull us back to our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incremental change over monumental change. You'll get way farther on the incremental change. Um, 
the nicer part about incremental change is it does allow you to pull back without pulling all the way back. You know, I think of, of you know, people that set New Year's resolutions, use that as an example, because that's a popular thing. And we'll use working out because most people set New Year's resolutions to be healthier after the first of the year, after they've been out partying all night and drinking all night. Well, what happens when you go into the gym on January 2nd? The gym is packed full. You can't get on any of the machines or any of the treadmills because everybody else is fulfilling their New Year's resolutions. However, you wait a couple weeks and people realize that they can't lose 20 pounds in 15 days. So they then they get frustrated and they fall back into their old, old habits. So change is, is more of a roller coaster than a straight line. And most people view it as a straight line. If I do this, then that. And if I keep doing this, then more of that. And really what happens is our mind gets us really excited. So we get a boost early on and get some productivity early on. But then as things wane, you know, working out requires effort. It requires stress. In some cases, it requires a little bit of pain because maybe you haven't done this before. And, and eventually what your mind says is, this isn't right. We need to go back to the old way of doing things because I know the old way. I know the results I will get in the old way. And even though I won't get the results I want, I at least know what I get. And eventually that's what causes us to drift back into what we were doing before when really you know, that success is just on the other side. If we keep pushing forward, if we keep doing these little incremental steps. So instead of, you know, going to the gym and working out for four hours, go to the gym and work out for 30 minutes and do some things that just get you active and get you moving, but don't get you super, super sore. And then maybe the next week, instead of 30 minutes, go for 45 minutes. And the next week, instead of 45 minutes, go for an hour. And then after that, start adding on different uh, exercises or activities. And, and we have to look at our business the same way. Um, we don't have unlimited resources. We don't have unlimited time. The only way we can multiply that is to either hire more people and, and make them successful working for us, or we have to find ways to change what we're doing to be more effective. And, and the reality is to grow any type of business into an enterprise, you have to do both. You have to hire the right people. You have to get them up to speed and you have to change what you're doing so that you are more effective. And the best way to do that is not to do it all overnight because that creates another set of problems, but to do it over a period of time where you can test the water, you can try things, you can see what works, you can shift or pivot if you need to, if things aren't working quite the way they should. And that will produce far better results than just jumping in, spending a bunch of money, implementing a bunch of stuff, and then finding out after a few weeks or a few months that none of it took and none of it works. Wow. I feel I could build on that for hours, um, but <laughs> I just noticed the time and I know you've got a meeting coming up. Uh, so before we wrap up here, what would what are you working on that you want to share with the audience? I know you've got a really awesome new project that's going to be really helpful to entrepreneurs of a certain level. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah. Um, like I said, I work with a lot of business owners. And over the years, um, this has actually been in the work for a number of years. They've asked me, you know, it would be really nice to have a peer group that I could work with that I could bounce ideas off of that I could get feedback from not just brainstorming type stuff, but real feedback from things that they have done. They have tried what worked, what didn't, what they would change that type of thing. And while Dan, your experience is really great and really helpful. Is there a way to connect with your peers to, to build a network like this? So um, after thinking about it and after kind of, testing the water on a couple different things. What we did this year was we launched something called the ultimate brain trust. 
And this is a different than maybe some other CEO groups or mastermind groups that you might experience because it's a limited in size. There can only be 12 people in a group. B it's limited in scope because you have to meet certain parameters. And for, for the first group I launched, you had to have at least a million dollars in revenue. You had, had to have at least 10 employees. You had to be in business for at least, or have been a CEO or a senior leader for at least 10 years. So you could bring a, a wealth of knowledge to the, or, to the group. Because ultimately, it's not the strength of me in the group, it's the strength of the peer relationships that you're building in that group. And the idea is that we'll get together periodically throughout the month as a group, and we will talk about various projects and various issues. And then on the other side of things is um, there's some individual coaching going on. So there's some times where I will meet with people one-on-one to help them out. So it's, it's kind of a hybrid of a, a coaching versus pure CEO mastermind group, if you will. Um, but it's really exciting. We've just had a couple meetings now and we've got some very engaged type A personalities who are, who are getting along with it and uh, really getting a lot out of it and hoping to expand on that a little bit more. So this is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. So where can, uh, where can listeners go find out more information about this, especially if they already meet those milestones? It, I think it would be a really great fit for them. Yeah, uh, check out ultimatebraintrust.com. So ultimatebraintrust, all one word, .com, and you actually have to apply to this. So it's not something where we're going to collect money from you right away. You have to fill out a questionnaire, and I have to interview you. And as the group grows, I might even have it that the group has to interview new members coming in. So it's not as simple as click, pay, done. Um, it really is about right fit. So as I'm talking about right fit with, you know, hiring right employees, we're kind of doing the same thing here. We want people in the group that are going to be engaged, are going to participate, have knowledge to share, are coachable. Um, There's a lot of variables that go into this because ultimately I want this group to hang together for quite some time and and really find value in the meet in you know, meeting each other and building these relationships, which to me is far more powerful than just joining a group to maybe get a discount on something or just, you know, get some high level information because ultimately we've all reached a point of success at this time where you really need, you need something more. You need something different than just your standard groups and either the groups are way too expensive or the groups don't provide enough value. So this is somewhere in between and I hope uh, people are enjoying it. I'm thinking of all of these other groups that I've seen where there, there is no application and people can just sort of show up. And I think you're totally doing the right thing by qualifying people and making sure that it's a community that, that helps the whole community instead of just, you know, the few people that are a little bit lower level. So this is awesome. So uh, for everybody listening, the link to that ultimatebraintrust.com is going to be in the podcast player. So go ahead, click that and you can go check out what Dan is doing. And Dan also has a podcast. What is the URL for your podcast? (laughs) The podcast is called Lunchbox Leadership, and that uh, stemmed from I used to do a daily kind of affirmation newsletter I sent out. And, well, that got to be a lot of work, especially for some just one person to do it. Um, So I discontinued doing that, but I kind of kept the name and everything. And when I started the podcast up again, I'm like, you know, I'll just launch these around noontime. And uh, we'll just call it Lunchbox Leadership. 
and kind of rebrand it. And, and that's what I've been doing, but it's been really fun. I've had a, a lot of opportunity to speak with subject matter experts and business owners. And uh, fortunately they've all kind of shared, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly of what they've done in, in their business and ultimately what led to their success. And uh, hopefully it's something that people will be able to learn from. I'm sure it is. I, and I listen and it's a great show. So um, again, that's going to be in the show notes of this episode. So Dan, uh, we are just about out of time and I know you've got somewhere to be. So unfortunately, I'm going to let you go, but I would love to have you back on at some point. I think there are so many more things that we could be talking about here. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me. Sure thing. I'd love to participate again. Thank you very much. So there you have it. Wasn't Dan awesome? I could talk to Dan about business optimization for hours and not get sick of it. And speaking of business optimization, I've got a couple things for you. So number one, show notes for this episode, esme.com slash podcast, or just click the link in your podcast player. Number two, I have a business optimization quiz for you. This is going to give you your business optimization score based on how many systems and strategies and processes you have set up in your business. And don't worry, you don't need to know anything about your systems and your strategies in order to answer the questions on this quiz. So even if somebody else set them up for you, or even if you're just winging it, this quiz will help you get clear on how optimized your business is so you can fully step into your power as a business owner. That is at esme.com slash quiz. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school.